Michael. This is Tina and Michael. And um, how do you want people to know you? Because I know you do Edible Spirit. Mm-hmm. Um, yes, I mean, Edible Spirit is, is what I'm called when I'm working, but otherwise, Michael, everybody calls me Mikey, but otherwise, it's Michael, yeah. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so what we're doing is we're talking about Michael as a third stage or possibly late second third stage Scorpio. Now, do you remember anything about those stages, Michael? I believe it was when you told me um, there's like, I remember there was like, one of them was like hard on the sleeve Scorpio. Yeah. <laughs> and one of them was maybe secret Scorpio. But then I also remember, I know one of them's serpent, one of them's eagle, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, it's interesting. Scorpio is the only sign that has retained all of its old symbols. Oh. And, and um, oh, what was her name? She's very famous. Linda hot and <laughs> quarantined mm. forever. <laughs> Linda Goodman, Linda Goodman's sun mm. signs. She described the three stages of Scorpio, not the three stages, but the three symbols, because she didn't mm -hmm. know particularly about the three stages. But she talked about, about how Scorpio is the scorpion, the gray lizard, and the eagle. Mm -hmm. Now, other symbols associated with Scorpio are the, the serpent, of course, and the phoenix. Mm -hmm. Now, to me, the phoenix is second, third stage Scorpio. Okay. But the, the first stage Scorpio person for three or four lifetimes is born with a very strong sense of their purpose mm -hmm. and a sense that they come here and they're so almost sent here by the divine who is somewhere up there off on a cloud or a mountain glaring at everybody. And that it's really, really important to get this purpose fulfilled no matter what. It doesn't matter what happens to you. It doesn't matter what happens to some smaller participants in the situation, even if you may regret what happens to them, but it, it's just important to make sure no matter what, this higher purpose that's more important than everything else gets fulfilled. So the scorpion it often exists in very dry climates. Mm -hmm. And the first stage Scorpio, it's almost as if they've come to this desert world, things are really harsh, everything is, all the stakes are very high, you have to make sure you get everything done. Now, really what, when you talk about hard on the sleeve Scorpio, underneath it all, that's pretty much every Scorpio. <laughs> Because every, really Scorpios are big sweetie pies, but <laughs> they've come in on stage and there's this huge sense of mission. And it's so much more important than anything, including myself, that, that they, have to, they have to acquire ruthlessness. So they have to have that scorpion shell and that scorpion stinger. Mm -hmm. And for three or four lifetimes, they go along fulfilling the purpose, fulfilling the purpose. But because the essential underlying perspective is one of separation, we are separate from that divine, we are separate from one another, and that's a spiritual illusion. It can't work perfectly. You, you will mm -hmm. fail at what you're trying to do. Um, yeah, I'm thinking of a particular first stage Scorpio who's very, very prominent right now in, in so many people's minds while I'm talking about this. <laughs> but anyway, <laughs> um, so after three or four lifetimes of trying to fulfill that purpose, some of it has been achieved. Mm -hmm and some of it hasn't been. So then there's a sense of, oh boy, you know, I, I'm, I've kind of failed, I kind of blew it, and it, that, that doesn't feel that great. But then when you look back behind you, sometimes on a soul level, you're looking back three or four lifetimes and you're seeing this long string of bodies, you never really want to hurt anybody, but it seemed like, you know, the ends justified the means, and all of a sudden it starts to feel like, oh my God, oh my God, what have I done? Now, some Scorpios at that point start to think, well, I have been bad, so I'm just going to get really bad. 
<laughs> Can you, maybe you might relate to that one from some other lifetime, Michael. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, I mean, I, I, I had a one time, I had a, a past life reading, my first past life reading ever before I, I sort of had my own uh, understanding of them and how they worked and whatnot. And uh, there was a large portion of it that was, I feel like this one lady's projections onto me. She was very convinced that I was in a homosexual relationship because I had done so many horrible things in the past. And like, I hated women and had to repent with women. And it was, it was very, you know, punitive Judeo-Christian. It didn't feel like an actual past life reading. But what she did resonate, what she did say that resonated was um, she called out places in my lineage, in my DNA, and in my, you know, and she called out Greece, she called out Mongolia, you know, she called out these different places and called out that I was both um, spiritually and sexually, like, complicated, manipulative, and aggressive. And one of the things that she told me was that my mom and I had shared a past life, this very much resonated, where I was a Greek priest, wow. and my mom was um, my wife, and was the preacher's wife, and that I was a philanderer and was going all over the place, sleeping with people, cheating people, stealing people, and my wife knew it, but in order to keep up appearances, she didn't say anything. So she was sort of calling back to this. And, and, but what she said to me that didn't resonate was, you as a Mongol and as a rampaging horde, you know, uh, committed all of these atrocities and like, that's why you're gay, right? <laughs> I was like, I was like- I don't know if I can link those two quite, quite, quite precisely. Me neither. And what was weird was that the, the part of having committed atrocities yes. and grappling with power and potency in this life and like what am I supposed to do with all this that's why I laughed at what you just said because I, I think at that point I probably had doubled down and I was like well I'm just gonna take what I want in order to do what I gotta do right yes that's my first dish Scorpio and so the Mongols that was their culture that, mm -hmm. that was the way things were done right so for you to not have committed atrocities if you were in the kind of a high place in, in their culture and I have a lot of ties I, I have a past life in the Mongol culture I was female but I have a lot of ties to people who have that past. I just adore yurts because, <laughs> of course, people, yes. you know, that was your world, right? Was yurt. Yeah. <laughs> wow. Yeah, I, I understand that culture very, very well. And my son and I, my younger son, he was, he was one of Genghis Khan's closest confidants. And wow. I remember he and I having a discussion one time about our two favorite gr great men of power because he just adores Genghis Khan and I adore Shaka Zulu. Mm -hmm. So we were going on and on about details about their lives and how amazing they were. And also I stopped and I went, wait a minute, these two guys sound too much alike. Mm. They have to be the same soul. Mm -hmm. It was really this, ugh, makes so much sense, right? Beautiful. The same soul when it did the same thing in two different cultures. Right, right. So. Beautiful. And it carried out that purpose, as you're saying. Yes. You know? Yeah, exactly. That because, so that was a big part of, and so that was that first day of Scorpio of I have right. to do this because this is a bigger purpose that has so much importance. Because right. Genghis Khan's perspective was this is what was he was doing for his people. Exactly mm -hmm. the same thing as Shaka Zulu. I think mm -hmm. they were Scorpios, both of them actually. There's no record of, of what sign they were. But again, their lives have a quality of, of first day Scorpio, absolutely. Yeah, makes sense. Yeah. Yeah, so that's interesting. I love I love getting this 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 uh, 
whole soul perspective because I see that with a lot of people, but I don't often talk to people who can tell me their own experiences that they remember or that they resonate with. So that's pretty cool. Most definitely. And it was, it was, that was actually something that was um, corroborated by my father before he passed where he was, um, he, he mentioned, and I, I jumped when you said this to me just now too, because that idea, I had started seeing it in sessions with people of, I'd ask a question, get, get a kind of answer, but then I called it the Rolodex because it would be like a Rolodex of their lives going yeah, yeah. and and at first I would be a little overwhelmed by it, but then started to sort of see the symbology of it, which is sometimes people aren't ready to hear some of that information. So it's actually more affirming and healing for them to know that it's something that happened like in their lineage or something that happened in their soul lineage many ages ago, you know, just, yeah. So that very cool. I, I vibe off the two. It was great when you said that. Yes. <laughs> So by the end of first stage Scorpio, if you decide to be really bad, what, because that, that, that perspective is, well, now I feel like there's a time of reckoning coming and I'm going to put it off as long as I can. Mm -hmm. <laughs> that's, the, that's the optional bad Scorpio. Yeah. <laughs> and some of them will, will, will go straight into it right away and some of them will put it off. And then, mm -hmm. of course, some Scorpios will crossroad. They will go from first stage to third stage. Mm -hmm. And that saves you a lot of grief. That saves you three or four lifetimes of going through second stage. But if we don't go through second stage, we don't gain quite as much compassion. We don't get the same amount of depth. So there is no right or wrong in terms of which, which choice you take at the end of first stage, because crossroading means to go straight from first stage to third stage. Hmm. So when, when the time of reckoning comes, whether it's you're being as bad as you possibly can until you finally get cornered. So um, who is that famous first stage Scorpio? hot. I don't like it. My brain doesn't work as well when it's hot. <laughs> but um, oh, the, the famous murderer, the Manson family, Charles Manson, he was the end of that really sort of the bad third stage Scorpio. The interesting thing is that if you look at his life, you can see places where he had the opportunity to crossroad because he was really looking at so many different spiritual principles. And right. he was, you know, there was that place where he could have made a big leap or you know, probably possibly still could. Right. At any rate, if the person doesn't make that leap to third stage, then they go down into second stage. And then what happens is that's when the regret just hits you. That's mm -hmm. when that natural loving, giving, you know, heart in their sleeve, as you would call it, Scorpio mm -hmm. Pete comes back out and goes, oh my God, what have I done? How could I have hurt so many people? Oh, it's just terrible. I must be horrible. I must be awful. I have to be, I have to just totally destroy myself somehow. And so early second stage Scorpio, there's a lot of very destructive, unpleasant experiences and a lot of abusive experiences a lot of people have in early second stage Scorpio. Mm -hmm. As second stage progresses, it becomes a bit lessened. But what happens throughout second stage is that there's very, that same willfulness that happened in first stage Scorpio comes into second stage Scorpio and says, well, I have to pay somehow, and it's almost impossible to pay for all of that, but I will pay by denying myself the most precious thing in life, which is love. So mm -hmm. during second stage Scorpio, constant rejections. And, mm -hmm. and the poor person, because it's several lifetimes, they come into a new lifetime and they're that good, open, honest soul, and they just keep getting smeared all the time and rejected mm -hmm. and abused, and they don't know why. 
Also, the other thing that happens is that second stage Scorpio people feel like, well, it was their sense of purpose and being in a position where they could harm people with that purpose that also caused a lot of trouble. So they want to sabotage their purpose and sabotage their career. And again, when they go into the, the, a new lifetime in second stage, it's again, it's not conscious. So poor second stage Scorpios, why does nobody love me? Why is everybody treating me so awful? Why can't I achieve anything I want to achieve? Or in some cases, why don't I even know what I want out of life or what my purpose even is? Right. There's always to, to, to subdue that. And that's the symbol of the gray lizard. So the, 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 the symbol of the gray lizard is this, it's the gray lizard that, that just hides itself in the mud at the bottom of the river and goes into hibernation. So it's this complete self-abnegation that happens in second stage scorpion. Not much fun. I, I really, you know, I don't envy Scorpios. <laughs> I really don't. No, it's, it's, and it's so, um, I resonate. Yeah, I resonate strongly with that. I think the thing about it that I've tried to understand with myself is that the suffering is not for naught yeah. as long as you can remember that it's not for naught, you know, yeah. like yeah. it, 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 and I think that's what I, I, I've, I have, you know, as you see, I have Virgo rising and like my Virgo rising and my Scorpio sun, like they're the signs that I talk the most shit about in the Zodiac. I'm like, oh, sorry. <laughs> my, my Virgo rising and my Scorpio sun, they're the signs that I talk the most smack about in the Zodiac. Okay. I really, I, and it's so funny because I find myself judging Virgos and Scorpios and then I'm like, wait a minute. And so now I just own it. I'm like, oh no, I'm the worst. Like we are the worst, but I think it. I think the thing I didn't understand for a lot of my life too was that not everybody who's not a Scorpio or doesn't have Scorpio in them is this intense. Right. You know, there's yeah. not the that desire. Like I kind of always want to get into it, yes. and I and I I wonder. You know, once we talk about the third, but I definitely feel like I've gone through waves of first and second Scorpio through yeah. a lot of my life. And I think when I'm at my worst and when I'm the most, um, when I'm the most, uh, when I'm at my worst is when I become inert, I bury myself in the mud. And, you know, I, I definitely, um, I've had a reader tell me too before that some of the worst traumas that happened in my life were, corrective or sorry were as a result of denying myself love yes. and that the traumas had to occur to show me what i had done by burying my head in the mud that's right yes and that's classic second third stage okay because what's going on when we're in second third stage is and that is that each each stage lasts for three or four lifetimes each transition between the stages lasts for one to four decades Okay. From soul perspective, that's a much shorter period of time. And that's why everything is so intense when we're in the transition. And it feels like never, when we're earlier in the transition, it feels like I'll never get through this. It's hopeless. I have to somehow hope this will get better one day. I don't know yeah. how it will. You know, it's a lot of despair that comes into play at times. But then there's all this inspiration. Because the other thing that goes on is each stage has a particular part of the, of the mind or the psyche that is dominant. So in first stage of any sign, it is the conscious mind that's dominant. We just have a conscious perspective. We go and do what we feel we have to do. In second stage, even though we think our conscious mind is dominant, actually our subconscious mind is dominant. So we're, in, we're being controlled by subconscious patterns that are reactions to the traumas that occurred at the end of first stage. In third stage, the higher self is the dominant part of the psyche. 
So when mm -hmm. we're in second, third stage, we've got the higher self and the subconscious kind of jockeying for position. <laughs> Our conscious mind is building more and more of a relationship with the higher self in order to transmute those subconscious patterns. Mm -hmm. And so all this spiritual force is pouring into our lives and stimulating all these subconscious patterns to bring them up to the surface where we can work on them and transform them. Mm -hmm. Makes so sense. that's what's been going on with you. Now, what some people do, and you might have done your own little, very unique, specific version of this. Some people, if they're born into the transition, they will create a recap lifetime where they're basically reliving first and second stage and then heading into third stage as though they've done it all in one lifetime. Some people have asked me, can you do all three stages in one lifetime? And I, I, I said, well, not really, but there is such a thing as doing that recap, which is a, I think it's a really useful thing to do. I didn't do it personally, but when mm -hmm. I've seen other people do it, you know, it's great to actually have living access to all of those patterns and all of those experiences and live them out again. Plus some signs, mainly Aries and Scorpio, are benefited by when they're in second stage, going back and getting some first stage traits just mm -hmm. to try and balance themselves. Mm -hmm. Because, you know, they both, both Aries and Scorpio are very, you know, assertive and aggressive and self-oriented or purpose-oriented in first stage. It's self-oriented for Aries and purpose-oriented for Scorpio, but they're mm -hmm. both very self-denying in second stage. So if you can get a little piece of first stage back, you know, it kind of, you get the scorpion to kick the gray lizard out of the mud. That's basically what we're doing. <laughs> Most definitely. I mean, it, it, that makes perfect sense too, because I feel that, I mean, I think I had a very, um, uh, I had, to, I had probably like six, seven years that felt like childhood and then had to grow up super fast. Mm -hmm. And I think became an adult really between the ages of like, eight and my Saturn return, I would say. Mm -hmm. And then my spiritual growth began right around, began in earnest right before and leading up to my Saturn return. And then I would say that my actual conscious evolution has felt more like regression plus responsibility as yeah. opposed to like growth. It's like how to become younger and preserve and enjoy those things that I didn't necessarily get to yes. experience and enjoy as a kid, but with yes. responsibility that, you know, mm -hmm. I didn't have them or, or based on what you're saying about second stage Scorpio, like, which I didn't really take probably for a few lives. Yeah. See, now the other thing is that when we're going through the stages of our sun sign, because our moon sign is the sign we did before we're the sign we are now, we also relive the stages of the moon sign. Okay. If your moon in Sagittarius, the moon is also of our childhood experience too. Mm -hmm. And actually the thing about moon and, moon and Sagittarius is that that's a very happy little kid. I love that. Sagittarius, you know? <laughs> <laughs> and if you were doing the recap lifetime, it was a super happy little kid. Very. But what happens in second, the only thing about Sagittarians is they get criticized. In first and second stage, they get criticized by the dearest, they get criticized by partners. So, you know, there, there would have been that sense of, I'm, I'm happy and I'm sincere and why does everybody think I'm doing everything wrong? But then your Scorpios go, okay, well then I will do things wrong. <laughs> Absolutely. And I think, I definitely think that what happened to me even more so was that the instead of consciously choosing to do the things wrong because it felt good i think i was doing 
let's just call them like these more aggressive, irresponsible actions. Yeah. Because, because of like you described so perfectly, that was stunningly resonant with me. Um, uh, just about the guilt, yeah. the weird guilt of like, what have I done? And little known fact, and I wonder what you make of this. I was a twin until seven months in utero when so when i was born i didn't know until many years later my mom told me but i never really put the pieces together until i was in my 20s and then realized that i had carried a tremendous guilt a tremendous survivor complex and a yes. tremendous yes. guilt of like my my but the, the person who who read this you know who i mean i had found this out from my mother but when i received this information in a reading the person said we were presided over by the spirit of this nun and that the nun was like our mediator that helped me and my brother talk it out and that we decided together that I was the one to go forward. Yes. Wow. And that brought me a lot of peace to think that it was a mutual decision and that we actually weighed it out. Who's going to have a more, you know, who's going to be able to accomplish their purpose more effectively, you know? Wow. And so it was, it was, it was, that was, that was before I had started any kind of spiritual studies that I got that reading. And I was just so shocked, Tina, because it brought me so much peace and so much relief. And then my spiritual evolution, what my, my growth, my actual growth, when I started meditating and studying um, was I was doing inner child meditations every day with the spirit of my twin yes. who over many months morphed into a, a guide, into a very yeah. powerful guide. I'm not you know? surprised. Your son in the third house, because some, when people have son in the third house, it can often mean that you have a soul tie or a soul bond with a sibling. In your case, it's a unique situation because it's an unborn sibling. <laughs> yeah. Uh. <laughs> yeah, and and I, I mean, to me, that's also how I've understood my Scorpio too. It's like, what a beautiful symbol of transference for the life of my sibling to transfer, and 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 for for their life force to be swirled into mine, so that I can then go out and and fulfill this purpose. Exactly, and then you're almost there. You know, I remember seeing a world where all incarnated inhabitants are in a sense binary souls so that there's always another soul that's there on a non-physical level yep. and constantly inter there's a constant interconnection telepathic mm -hmm. co-creation that's going on yep and it, that's yep. what it reminds me of and then you actually makes have, you actually have a look like what i've seen of beings from that world this gets out there but you know that's no, what i love it do. we see stuff that most people don't see totally and it and it will know and that's i think that's a great example of you know you affirming that for me I, that's what i always try to remind people that the evidence is not necessarily in the verifiableness of what you just said or what i'm saying but like i don't need verification because when this reader told me this it made sense and it brought me peace and it's not pleasant it's not like no no no, don't worry sweetie she basically was like no you absorbed your twin yes. you know and i was like oh thank god that's why i felt so crazy all these years yeah. you know but <laughs> But the other thing I was just going to tell you, and I, I think this might have to do with the replay of the lives too, where it's like, I, from a very young age, felt a tremendous sense of urgency. And I had no idea what I was here to do, but I knew it was something. And I knew, 
I thought because of how I was raised that I was just supposed to be famous and that I was supposed to like get on TV and like do all this shit. And I'm sorry, <laughs> I thought I was supposed to, I thought I was supposed to get on TV and do all this stuff of like glory, glory, you know, make your name, put yourself out there. Um, but that, that revealed itself over time to be not a purpose. That was just like a, a, a thing to do. And, you know, the, the transition for me was when I realized that like the purpose was to seek the purpose, you know? And so then I, it was around my Saturn return where I started making my mission about, you know, not even needing to know my purpose, just knowing that I needed to be of service because I was raised in the restaurant business too. So it felt very organic for me to just try to be of service, but it's only now 10, 12 years later that I realized that the seeds, exactly, totally, but that the seeds for my spiritual service were planted because of my restaurant service. But if I had, but uh, I almost burnt out as a reader because I was trying to run my psychic business the way my mom ran her restaurant as a kid, which... (laughs) which was unsustainable, work constantly, always say yes to everything, make sure everybody's happy, perform, perform, ask if everybody's happy, are you happy? Are, you know, but that's not how it works. You can't, I can't sustain like that, you know? So, so, it's, um, so it's, it's much more only now am I realizing, and I wonder how this has to apply to third stage, you know, I only now am I realizing that these elements of my being, which are created or cultivated, maybe what I sort of went back to first stage yes. to retrieve my voice as an artist, yes. my voice as a writer, yes. my voice as a healer, my voice as a teacher. Yes. That like, if I'm really in the, however many years I have left here, gonna show up for each of these practices, that's a lot of work and it's more than enough. Yeah, that's right. You know? Yes. But but I, I, in some ways, you know, the majority of the last 10 years or even my whole life, last 30 some years, were me searching for meaning and purpose and utility. I've always been obsessed with being useful somehow, yeah, searching for it. Rising piece as well. The Virgo rising piece. Mm-hmm. Searching for it, thinking that I was failing miserably. Yes only to then realize that I had succeeded at something else. Yes, right, right. And yeah, now that does tie into second, third stage because when we're going, when, when we go through second, third stage, each sign has certain riddles they need to resolve. There's certain keys to resolve those riddles. So for Scorpio, the two keys that, that resolve everything and they are basically summed up as faith and self-forgiveness. So that as as you forgive yourself, whether it's remembering what you did in the previous lifetime and or just being extra kind to yourself and extra caring, be compassionate for any actions you have taken and what, what was your motivation, what was your feeling, what was the innocence behind that action, even if at the time it, it, it didn't work out perfectly, even if at the time other people got hurt. There's, a, you know, there's another important key that when you start to view things from the soul level or from the spiritual level, you know that everybody is responsible for everything that they experience. That includes the, the fact that when people come into a situation where they experience hurt, their soul is choosing that for a specific purpose. It's not, you want to get careful, you want to be careful not to blame the victim for things like right. that. But there are reasons why people will get drawn into situations that are unpleasant 
And sometimes they have to do with guilt. Sometimes that guilt is necessary. Sometimes it's unnecessary. And that's mm -hmm. that stage Scorpio, which gets hurt in unnecessary ways. As soon as you forgive yourself, you, you, you release that pattern. Sometimes it's the only way that a soul can wake itself up and recognize, no, I, I, I won't do this to anyone else. Yep. So stopping a negative pattern you once had. And sometimes people will go into situations where they know, okay, I'm going to have to go through something really rough here just in order to achieve what I need to achieve in this situation. So in other words, it's, it's Scorpio has to get away from blaming themselves for absolutely everything. Mm -hmm. <laughs> in first stage, it's all my responsibility. In second right. stage, it's all my fault. And at the same time, in first stage, no mistakes would have been made if you were working in complete alignment with spirit. Right. And, and so that's what I call faith, which is really a bad word for it, because it really means being completely aligned with, with spiritual beingness, with your own spiritual being, with the one spiritual being, allowing that divine intelligence to act and express through you and to inform all of your understandings and all of your decision making. What's really interesting is that Scorpios are the original skeptic of the Zodiac. And the reason for that is that in first stage, the purpose is so all encompassing. You cannot go by quote unquote faith. You really need to send a man over and see what's on the other side of that rock. You know, we got to get it, got every, got everything under our conscious control and understanding. So if right. you're going to trust in something that you can't see or touch or that somebody else can verify for you, it's too much of a risk. So to, to, that when you mentioned, when we were talking earlier about some things may not necessarily be verifiable, right. <laughs> you know, that's definitely speaking from the third stage Scorpio perspective. <laughs> well, and it's funny too, because I mean, I think there's a connection here. You know, I um, started reading tarot, but over the years, and since I first met you, you know, I've come to identify much more so as a channel, but this doesn't mean that I just open up and surrender to whatever. It means that I'm calibrated to recognize my sources or not listen to those sources. But there's a certain element of my gift is at its best when I get out of the way, but yeah. not so far out of the way that nobody's running the show, but yeah. just enough out of the way that I, Michael, can watch my body being filled or with something coming through it. And I can then sit there and go, oh, yeah, no, I didn't say that. <laughs> you know, that wasn't me. It's almost it, it, by, by, by practicing channeling, it allows me to be a skeptic of the information coming through me because I'm not the kind of channel that says just because it came through means it's verifiable. Right. I'm saying yes. I know that I'm providing a service to you with my body that I've studied, you know, and practiced a lot, but when our reading is over, Michael will come back. Yes. You know, when your reading from Edible Spirit is over, Michael's going to come back and we will talk about what came up and do our best to interpret it together. And then I get to function more as, you know, yes. as coach and facilitator than needing to be the one who knows all the time. Yes, 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 yes. You know. Yeah, and that's a kind of positive humility. And that's where it's valuable to have gone through second stage because it gives us that sort of kind of positive humility. We know, yeah, we can really mess up pretty badly. So it, we are inevitably never infallible. But because right. there is that putting the self aside and focusing on the purest of intents and receiving an infinite perspective, 
you're going to you're going to probably bring through a lot more quality than someone mm -hmm. who would sit there and say my word is law and, my, and i am completely infallible that's the funny totally. ironic parallels <clears throat> but again it does bring to mind some of what you're saying brings to mind that virgo rising because virgo rising also is about discernment and i also have virgo rising and i do i do a lot of similar i have a lot of quite a similar perspective you know and i always tell people it whenever i can Anything that anyone ever tells you from a psychic or a spiritual perspective, run it through your own inner voice. And it should line up with common sense. And yep. I always have loved skeptics. One of the interviews I did a little while ago was with, with, with someone who said, you know, I, I'm interested in talking to you about this, but you have to know, he said this to me before we did the interview, I'm a skeptic. I said, great. Excellent. Yeah, <laughs> I <love> totally. <laughs> And, and you know, when, when, you, when you are a curious skeptic, but you're still a skeptic, I don't think we should ever set that part of ourselves completely aside. No, no, because that's also the kind of thing that um, allows information, information that's passed by a skeptic that checks out becomes yes. very easily communicable. It just, it becomes so much more easy to share and yeah, direct experience, but also you know, checked with that discernment mm -hmm. feels pretty stable to me. You know, mm -hmm. I can get behind that. Yeah. So what I talk about Scorpio as being is a vehicle for divine will on earth. The vehicle, you know, and it just, mm -hmm. the will acts through you. And that's exactly what you described. Another thing that I talk about Thursday Scorpio as being is a miracle worker. Mm. Because you develop, even from the very beginning, from the very word go in first stage, there's focus. And that's what that's where the eagle symbol comes. Because eagles are fascinating creatures. You know, they can fly so high. They have incredible eyesight. They will actually sit and watch sunspots because the sun doesn't harm their eyes. But they can be you know, way, way up, miles up, and watch a little mouse under the grass and swoop down and grab it. So there's this there's this ruthlessness that remains an aspect of the Scorpio consciousness, but it's only ever used in a, in a very clean and pure and specific way. So a Scorpio healer has massive gentle compassion whenever that's needed and absolute ruthlessness whenever that's needed. <laughs> totally, totally. Yeah. Totally. And that's, I, I definitely, um, I definitely, well, and again, I think my Virgo rising and my tendency to be all the frick over the place, thanks to my Sagittarius moon, you know, that those two things together made me really have to understand what I'm doing and what spirit is doing and what I'm offering and how it all works. And, you know, even after I met you in 2012, you know, I moved back to New York soon after, and it was a totally different world of doing readings and you know and uh, there because I had to be able to speak so much more articulately about what it was that I was doing and so what's interesting is I've always made a practice of knowing when I don't know but I very much over the years have articulated a space where I don't know but I got a pretty strong awareness of what's going on outside of that space and <laughs> If I can calibrate that space, then I don't have to cause the miracle. The miracle occurs, you know? Yes, that's right. That's true. Because that's how, that's how, that's the only way miracles ever do occur. <laughs> and I'm, I'm seeing so much more too. Um, I was reading, um, 
uh, I was reading about um, the fourth ray from the from Alice Bailey stuff, right? And its association with Scorpio as being, um, you know, just how how it's like because it's it's in the midst of the rays and in the midst of the chakras that the creation of a space for spirit to do their work is the most we can hope for, you know? Yes. And I, I think I was always setting myself on a spiritual path. I, you know, in terms of the criticality of my Virgo and the, the obsessiveness of my Scorpio, I, I was almost making it a spiritual practice to list all the ways in which I was undeserving of being able to make miracles right? Instead of just doing my practice, showing up, forgiving myself, as you're saying here, having some faith and saying, you know what, no matter how corrupt and worthless I believe this vehicle to be, <laughs> that just happened. So can't be all bad, you know, but I think, I think I had for many years and still to some extent at my worst, I have this sort of obsession with purification and this sense of needing to be good enough and clean enough to, to receive or transmit grace, you know, and I get what you're saying that that, that comes from the, from a second, from sort of like second, second stage, you know, uh, uh, flashbacks, right? Yeah, yeah, definitely, definitely. Now, that's one thing that you brought up that's sort of interesting, because once a person is in third, actually, one way to tell the real difference between whether a person is actually in second, third stage, or third stage, very simple method, is are you happy? (laughs) 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 Oh, yes. Um, It's it's funny. There's bursts of happiness. In third stage, there's bursts of unhappiness. <laughs> but in general, third stage people are really happy. That's, that's the default setting. Yeah. I, 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 it's funny. It's, it, it, like you said, I had it when I was a kid. Yeah. I lost it for a good period of time. And then I, I, I even, like I said, this one reader directly said to me, no, the, these, the sort of first big shamanic death that I had, which was like, okay, if you don't change your ways, this body is going to go. You're going to be done. Whatever you think you got to do, too bad. You're, you're going to die if you don't do something different, right? That's very common for second, third stage. Yes. Okay. So Some, they just want to die. It's pretty much the same effect. So when that, but when that happened, it was a result of it was a result. Well, I should just tell you what happened to me. I mean, cause I'm not, I'm not hiding at all. Um, uh, when I was, uh, 17, I contracted HIV and it was after coming out around 14, 15, 16 in very difficult ways and having a series of beautiful, brilliant, gorgeous, talented, you know, intelligent individuals profess their love for me. And I was just like, no, 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 You're falling for what I'm showing you. You're falling for what I'm showing you. If you knew what was really going on in here, you would, you would run. You're so stupid. You know, and what this reader told me was that it was a series of very aggressive assertions. I'm not lovable. You can't have it. 
uh, uh, that actually created so much space and isolation around me that the only way I could have stood a chance to continue and do my dharma would be to catalyze something that would make me realize if I didn't crawl out of the mud, I was going to stay in the mud and that was where I was going to go. Yeah. Yeah. Pretty intense. Yes. Now that would be the end of the end of second stage proper when the person hits that because people will hit a major crisis that they, that is just impossible to escape from or to not wake up from. I mean, if you really, really, really hung on tight, some people do, and there's some in, there are some indications in people's charts that that's what they did in their previous lifetime. Hey, you were supposed to move into second, third stage, and you gritted your teeth, and you hung on, and you refused to do it, so now in this lifetime, the whole lifetime is going to be pummeling away at you until you wake up. Until you but die. in general, that's what happens to people. It's, it's really, it's, your, your absolute life is completely threatened your your mm-hmm. emotional life is completely threatened your entire mm-hmm. purpose you really hit a wall and you just have to crack you have to break through it and you know then then the transition continues on and you work through all of these different riddles that that you spend a lot you know like i said one to four decades on average resolving and often towards the end of second third stage is another point where you, you just can't take it anymore know just want to die or you you know you you hit another you hit another ceiling and what happened to me actually was I hit that ceiling and became very very suicidal and the next summer I remember sitting working on something and I started thinking well wait a minute this this, this is really really weird because I've been happy for at least the last six months like my entire lifetime I'd never experienced something like that. I would have these mm-hmm. bursts of happiness and then go back to the hell and back to the agony. I said, yeah, I'm thinking to myself, yeah, that's pretty strange. And, and I'm looking at myself in the way I am right now. I have an awful lot of traits of the third stage Aries. Oh my God, I think I'm in third stage. It's like I hadn't, I didn't notice for six months. <laughs> totally. No, totally. And, and given that, I mean, I would definitely say to you, like my, my, reading practice and my spiritual work it it's almost like i i it's almost like it took off for me because there's a part of me that's always been fine that's never had any problems that's been very happy and i can see that i learned that from my father my father was like an earth angel my mother was like a was like a nightmare you know she was like always yes in crisis and my dad was like gorgeous and tall and made her feel secure and was always when I would be hysterical as a kid he would go C A L M wow right and he would just and he had these massive hands that were always warm so all there was this through line and I, I, I don't know how this connects to what you're saying but I'm pretty sure it does this through line of okayness Yes. through my whole life wow. that I only feel conscious of yes. and able to sustain, yes. I would say maybe for the last 18 to 24 months. Wow. Okay. So I got you. Really. You're in here now. <laughs> I think, I think we're here and it, and it, it, it had to do with the passing of my dad in 2017 and everything that's kind of gone on since then and the um 
the way I, I put my life story together because I think my identification with the trauma that had happened earlier on yeah. kept a large portion of me frozen there yes. and therefore neither, you know, the, the, the baby Krishna that I am nor the responsible adult that I am, yes. you know, because yeah. it was all locked up. So even since quarantine has started, I've been working on a memoir project to externalize and objectify what actually happened to me so that I can try to tease out like a fun story from it. So that, but I've been working on this project now, Tina, for, for four years or so. And I went through periods of months where I just had to get out the horrible things that had happened because the prevailing rule in my family is that they didn't actually happen. None of these things happened. Right. right? So I would be like, pay yeah. attention to me, pay attention to me, pay attention to me. <laughs> yes. Neptune in the fourth house is a lies and secrets in the family and everything being, you know, put the fog over everything. Absolutely. And, and like a prevailing moral order coming from my mom as the, the kind of, you know, arbiter of truth and the one who wears the pants and the one who needs the most and all this stuff. So my point is though, is that during these last two years, as I've really dug into the material, I would go through a period of writing about six months in my life where all this stuff happened and I would get sick, I would get toxified, I would get re-traumatized, all these things would come out. And I could say to you that the last 2.5 years or so have been a series of changing my life so that I can get into that story and my life changing as I get into that story. Because in some ways, using the language that you're saying, it's like, I was, I was basically, have been trying to capture the worst parts of my second stage Scorpio and like some of the first stage joy, when really the book that I've wanted to write all along is about the through line of third stage Scorpio yes. and all of these things that I had to sort of reinvoke or take on in order at the end of the day to be of the best service, to get out of my own way, to allow myself to be a vessel for spirit, you know, to, to, to and I'm telling you, I've been psychotic since I met you even about, oh my God, if I can do a reading or if I can do a healing and I can make a meal and I can write a play, how are all these things supposed to go together? And how do I know the difference between what is my own selfish satisfaction and what is my Dharma? Right. And I started taking voice lessons because I wanted to give myself a little bit of a present. And I realized that my voice hasn't gone anywhere. And I almost had to forgive myself for not allowing me to express myself artistically because I've been so psychotic about making money and being of service. Mm -hmm. So it's, it's like now moving forward, I'm, I'm just recognizing that this is enough of a mission for me to be well, well enough to share some of that wellness with others use my gifts to channel spirits for readings if I need to, or to channel characters in a play if I need to, or to channel spirit when I want to sing something or whatever, you know, but the forgiveness and compassion part in the last um, uh, probably 18 months, two years, I've been creating spiritual formats using my artistic skills or artistic formats using my spiritual gifts. So one example is um, an improv, uh, show 
where I do readings with audience members from the house while my friend who's a comic makes fun of all of us. Oh, wow. <laughs> <laughs> so it's, so I'm, so I'm just saying it's like, I, I've lived in so much un, unrest for so much of my life, but in the last couple of years, I'm starting to tease out a through line of not even joy and happiness, but just like okayness. Yes, yes. After yeah. thinking that so much of that time was actually miserable and in the mud and in the depths, and I deserved it. Right, yes, yes, yes. Yeah, and so when we get into third stage and we have that, that underlying happiness, and really the higher self has always been there. It's always been there, been with you from the beginning. But in first stage Scorpio, you thought it was something outside of yourself and far away, but it was actually still going, yeah, he'll figure it out eventually. Because <laughs> the higher yeah. self has forever. <laughs> yeah. The higher self is glad you've joined it right now, but at any rate, that's why that happiness has always been there, but you weren't aware of it. But then now it is that undertone. It's that resting place we go back to. It's just a natural way to be. Yeah. However, when we are in third stage, especially if you've been into third stage in the current lifetime, people born into third stage don't seem to have this. But if you if you made that transition while you're in the lifetime, there is a thing that I call knots that happens. And those knots are little replays of, of little bursts of second stage stuff that come out from time to time that need to be worked on and need to be resolved. So you're having a knot and it's a brief little, you'd call it a crisis or a mini crisis and then you resolve mm -hmm. it and you sort it out and you keep moving forward. The reason I call it a knot is because of a metaphor I use for what it feels like when you are in second stage, or no, sorry, when you're in second, third stage. The second mm -hmm. stage is crappy, but we're in denial a lot during it. So mm -hmm. we don't really, always could feel great <laughs> right in second third stage you know how painful it is god make it stop now please <laughs> and what it feels like is that you're in this this hellishly red pit with this hopelessly entangled rope and all you can do is you can just keep pushing one little piece at a time and untangling a little piece and it seems like it's pointless because you still have this big mass and you just keep doing a bit at a time because that's all you can do. But eventually the little mini miracle happens and you end up with a long rope that just has a few knots left in it. You throw the rope up to the top of the pit and something on the other side of the pit grabs hold of it and pulls you out. And that something is your higher self. That something is also subconscious inertia because really the, you know, these different parts of ourselves really are all one. Mm -hmm. And the subconscious has its inertia that holds you back for a long time when you're in second, third stage. Right. But the subconscious is imprinted by any strong emotion and any repetitive experience. So as soon as we have the repetitive experience of constantly reaching for truth, of constantly interfacing with our higher being and higher dimensions, it, that eventually the subconscious gets in the habit of that and goes, oh, okay, I get what this is. It merges with the higher self. And it's that force that pulls you out of the pit. So then mm. you still have your rope and you still have a few knots. And mm -hmm. that's where the, the, where the concept of knots come from. Mm -hmm. Makes sense. And into third stage in this lifetime. Makes sense. Um, and I, because I definitely, I mean, I think also my, yeah, Virgo rising has caused me to, build systems that help me survive and thrive and then other systems that are not helpful and that keep me down. Yeah. <laughs> um, no, and it's, it, there's also this healing that's been going on and I wonder what, what your thoughts are on this, but just the idea of 
sacrifice. It's like I've, I've always wanted to sacrifice things that I enjoy because I thought that's what you're supposed to do on a purificatory path, that I should like, yes. if I like it, I should probably kill it right. so that I can do my service better, right? Mm -hmm. But But what I've, in trying to be more compassionate with myself over the years and also in recognizing that like, I grew up in the restaurant business, so it would be weird for me to like not eat bacon. It would just be very weird for me. Like I could see it, but like if you ask me, like could I be a vegan? Sure, I could be a vegan. Am I a vegan? I don't think I'm a vegan. You know, so it's like I could go there. So there's that's always been something that I think caused me to waste a lot of time, or not waste, but use a lot of time during my second stage and during a lot of my life. Yes. where and usually it would come down to sex it would come down to food it would come down to pot because I don't really like drinking you know <laughs> and so for many years those indulgences would it's almost like I would reward myself with them because I felt so bad and then it would make me feel worse and then I would reward myself to feel better and then it, and eventually I realized it's actually going to be a lot more useful if I only engage in these, you know, uh, in, 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 to, to excess in these things, if I'm already doing my service, if I'm already well in alignment, if, if yeah. my, you know, because yeah. it's, it, go ahead. See, that's, that ties into both your Virgo rising and your moon in Sagittarius. Mm -hmm. so Virgo rising is, not all Virgo rising people have this, but it is a karma that can go with Virgo rising, which is a history of gluttony, basically, and have gone, having gone to real extremes in previous mm -hmm. lives. And that gluttony could be food, sex, pot, you know, whatever <laughs> the list you gave or other things you didn't put on the list that aren't, aren't, aren't peculiar to you. And but the Virgo rising wants to be, it's about purity. So is this purity, all this extreme indulgence? No, I don't think so. So then it tries to push you in the opposite direction. And it does create these wonderful systems that can strangle themselves with the systems. I mean, I went through that, you know, trying to eat all raw food when nobody was doing it yet. Right. To do, and it's one of, it, out of all the things I've done in my entire life that step outside of the box, which I live outside of the box anyway, that was one of the hardest things to do. It was one of the most socially alienating things I've ever mm -hmm. possibly experienced. <laughs> Plus, I have a really fast metabolism, so it wasn't, it just wasn't physically, it wasn't, it wasn't physically doable. <laughs> right. No, and so I guess that's what I'm kind of wondering is how does one know at this point what to, what to sacrifice and what to give up? And like, is it, is it just because I like something, because I desire it, because I want it, that I should sacrifice it? Well, that, that, yeah. no, that's coming to the moon because... What happens in second stage Sagittarius is, is that, well, first stage Sagittarius, which is, this is your oldest soul memories. You were a happy, happy soul, and you just trusted life. You've really gone from the, the, you know, the, the serpent's head to the serpent's tail, because in the very beginning of first stage Sagittarius, you had perfect faith, you trusted life, and everything worked beautifully for you because you trusted life. It's just that you had no conscious understanding of that science. And you saw, yeah, exactly. <laughs> and, and you saw everybody else suffering. You couldn't do anything about it. Yeah. And they were all criticizing you. What are you so happy about? You're so irresponsible being so happy. And so you felt bad about yourself. You felt bad for them. You went looking for some truths that would save the world. And mm. because your self-esteem was low, because everybody mm. was stomping on you and you thought, I don't know who I am. 
you were you were in an overcompensatory um, perspective about it all. I want to find the really important thing that's going to make sure everybody's perfectly fine, saves the entire world. It's going to be extreme. So second stage Sagittarians go to extreme philosophies. And it sounds like you have a combination of the second stage Scorpio guilt, whatever mm -hmm. I want, whatever I want to do hurts people, must be bad, combined with, and I don't know if you have any past life awareness of this, a second stage Sagittarius, strong religious indoctrination, the desire is bad. Definitely, most definitely. Um, and it was that one past life was, was as a, a, an Orthodox Greek priest right. at like really pounding the pavement. And I'm baptized Greek Orthodox in this oh, life. Amazing. And in 2017, when my father passed, I was compelled, psychotically compelled to go to Mount Athos where all the Orthodox monasteries are. So I went there and on the way there, I went to Medjugorje in, um, in Bosnia and climbed the mountain and prayed to the mother and heard a voice. We, I, you know, I, it was the mountain of the Mother Mary. So who knows whose voice it was, but I'm, you know, who knows? It was a lady's voice. Yes. And she said, I am the queen of peace. She said, um, and she said, uh, your life is not one of... Um, sacrifice and suffering. Your life is one of nurturance and offering. She said, all things go through my son, but you are a child of mine, wow. right? She said, so yeah. everything's going through Christ. And this was the day before I went to the island. Okay, so then I go to Mount Athos and I end up, um, because of this person that I met, he convinces me to go to confession. I haven't been to confession. I went once when I was 12 years old. So I went to confession and before the confession started, I said to the priest, and there's no, you know, uh, door, you sit right across from the priest. And I said to him, um, you know, before we start, I don't like to tell lies. This is very Scorpionic. I don't like to lie, but I choose my words very, hmm? go ahead. Yes. I choose my words very carefully. So I said to him, um, ever since my father died, um, you know, his faith was reaffirmed. That's why I came to this island. You know, he was Catholic, but ever since, you know, he died, he had these visions of Christ and Mary, and that reaffirmed my faith. And um, ever since he passed, I've heard a woman's voice. And if I listen to what this voice tells me, and I share that with other people, it seems to help. Like, how does this all reconcile with my faith? And the guy was like, your dad was Catholic? And I was like, uh, like... Yeah, but like, that's not the point. And he was like, wait, but you're Greek and you're Orthodox. And I was like, yeah, but like, again, not the point. And I was like, all right, look, I'm gay, right? And, he, and I was like, how does, how does this reconcile with my faith? And he said, well, it simply does not and cannot. He said, you need to go home to your partner and tell him that you are endangering each other's souls that what you're doing is terribly wrong. You have to leave him. You have to find a priest. You have to um, ask if he'll hear your confession. Then you have to, oh no, he said you have to fast, say the prayer of the heart a thousand times a day, go to church on Sundays, fast every Wednesday and Friday, and then, and no sex at all of any kind. And then after several months of that, then find a priest, go to confession, and he'll tell you if you can have communion. Wow. Right? And I was like, well, we're done here. We're done here. <laughs> so, <laughs> so I just share that with you because yes. I believe that I did have 
that past life indoctrination and present life indoctrination. And I'm obsessed with that idea. Like, isn't that the definition of karma? Like, I didn't choose to be Greek Orthodox. I didn't pick that. I mean, maybe I did. Of course I did. But from my early life, I did not ask my parents to baptize me. I chose parents that chose to baptize me in that way, you know. So it it made sense that I would be guided after my dad passed to the center of my home of spirituality, you know, the center of spirituality in my baptized church yes. to face this guy down, tell him my truth, and then based on his response, be like, uh, no. <laughs> So second stage, scorp guilt, and second stage, what was the thing you said about the Sag? Second stage? Serious indoctrinization. Got it. Because you went looking for truths, and this truth is the extreme truth that's going to save everybody. And there's many forms of extreme truth, and many second stage Sagittarians will have more than one in their soul history. Mm -hmm. And in a way, that's a good thing, because then you can step outside of it and pick the good stuff out. Going to right. the mountain and hearing that divine voice, that's a good piece. You know, there's good pieces to Greek Orthodox. There's good pieces to absolutely every spiritual and religious system that there is. But whenever something is taken to an extreme that is um, that, that that robs you of your free will, that says this is the only way, then you know, yeah, okay, I'm done here. You know, it's yeah. just, it, it's it, it's based on an, a, a real a, a crystallized egoic fear mm -hmm. that reinforces itself by creating institutions. Who, where groups of people reinforce each other and help right. each other's backs or whatever the case may be. Right. But none of it sense. takes us within, none of us takes us to spirit, and none of us teaches that desire comes from God. Hmm. All desire comes from God. Now, I talk about pure desire and impure desire, and a pure desire is when you want something for its own sake. Mm -hmm. An impure desire is when you want something because you somehow convinced yourself it's going to give you something that you want. Mm. So I always use the, I always use an image of, of uh, the two men who want Rolls Royces. One man wants a Rolls Royce because he loves the smell of the leather interior. He loves how smoothly it rides along a country road. It's an exquisite machine. He adores it. He can spend the day with it and he's happy as a lark. The other man wants a Rolls Royce or a woman wants a Rolls Royce because when his neighbors see him pull that vehicle into the car, they're going to know how important this person is. Mm. <laughs> that is an impure desire for a Rolls Royce. <laughs> right. And right. who's going to get themselves into trouble with that one? Right. For sure. For sure. Because then all of a sudden, you know, if you get the Rolls Royce and you're the first guy, then you're like, wow, I, this, this is making me like even more present in myself. I'm available. I'm ready. I'm open. I'm here. And the other one is just going to pursue whatever he thought he was getting. That becomes his purpose because he's basically just trying to achieve that ends. Mm -hmm. And obviously the Rolls Royce is not going to bring enough of that. So he's going to probably keep pursuing that motivation after he's already gotten the thing. Yeah, exactly. And what he really needs yeah. is self-esteem. Right. Right. And, and, you know, I think that's what I love about that happiness question. It really empowers me to just, I always say to people, why, why do we have to be living our best lives? Why is that's an awful lot of pressure to live your best life? <laughs> you know, why I aspire to like basic general constant okayness, knowing that I'm not going to have that, but just like going for like milk toast, beige, vanilla. <laughs> 
I love it. <laughs> yeah, we have a, yeah, that's one thing I remember realizing when I was going to be 28 or something. It's like, wow, I don't fulfill my purpose in this one single lifetime. There's a long stretch ahead and it can be done during that long stretch. I don't have to do it this time around. Oh, phew. <laughs> <sighs> And I think as soon as I accepted that in myself, like everything I did became something that fulfilled my purpose as opposed to it being like yeah. a pot of gold that I was going to yes. jump into. Yeah, exactly. That's right. Because it's inherent in your beingness. As soon as you're in your beingness, you're going to be on purpose. Mm. Yeah, and my beingness happens to like cheeseburgers every now and again. <laughs> Just for the cheeseburger in and of itself, yeah, not for what I think it's going to bring me. Girls rice and have a great conversation in a day. <laughs> well, you have your cheeseburger, and he sits there beside the parked Rolls Royce, and you have a nice little chat in the sunshine. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Share some presents. <laughs> okay, so I think we're probably going to close now. And yeah. I know you and me, you and I could talk forever for sure. Anytime. But this was this was wonderful. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, my pleasure. Thank you so much.